Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 320 Club podcast. Why is it called the 320 Club? Well, 420 was already taken, and happy hour is happening somewhere else. Today is the 19th of April. This episode was recorded the previous Friday. Just a quick note on the elephant in the room. Our day jobs have prevented us from being on the air for a while, you may have noticed, but that's okay, because we're back on with a brand new episode. A two-parter, actually. You may be wondering, after seeing the title of the episode in your feed, what does THS stand for? Well, I'm calling this two-parter Triumphs of the Human Spirit. And while that sounds like a very noble and inspiring kind of title, I didn't want to be too wordy with it, because while both episodes share a common theme, they deserve their own titles. So enjoy part one of this two-parter, what I've come to call twerking our uniforms back to formula. Now I can't hear you at all. Now he's too far away from his microphone now. (laughs) That's That's all right. Okay, we are recording, sort of. This is a very efficient set of uh, question and uh, response notes. Uh, this PDF you sent me earlier today. It's and not. It's it's by no means a way of structuring our podcast. It's just shit that has popped up over the last week and a bit. And so if it comes up, it comes up. If it doesn't, and the conversation's flowing, then we're good. Okay, I was going to ask if something happened. <laughs> this looks very litigious. <laughs> 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 well, that's one way of putting it <laughs> let, let, let's go forward there's like lots of cool things if we go into the the culture profile of okay. of of this past week just this past week like major cultural things go so, for it so oh, yeah. let's let's just talk about a canadian thing so let's talk about fashion and team canada's olympic oh. outfits oh my god i heard about that I saw that. It's uh, well. Personally, I don't really care, <laughs> but still, it's kind of funny. We got jean jackets, and then the states. What are they wearing? Some sort of like Ralph, Ralph Lauren. Yeah, it was, it was designed by Ralph Lauren polo. <laughs> I have to say, the best comment I heard this week was somebody called it derelict. <laughs> derelict. Yeah, they're like, that's it. You know, somebody watched Zoolander, and, the, and they. Were, <laughs> <laughs> derelict fashion wear for the Canadian. They said the the, the woman in the photo who has the, the photo of the wearing the jacket and the outfit, she has this stoic look of determination on her face because Oh yeah. She's like, I just need to get through this. <laughs> like the thing is like it's it's funny if you're but you have to if you have to read more than one article. So that that's the, the risk with this one is if you read one thing where you where Google's feeding you your conservative views. Yeah. Because most of the stuff you watch is conservative, you're going to get a very conservative view on it. But if you switch safe search off, you're going to get a very millennial zenial spin on oh, yeah. what that is. And they actually like it. Yeah. The, the thing I found interesting is that the fashion rage in Japan right now is 1950s outfit wear. So if you're doing high fashion in Tokyo these days, you're actually wearing uh, top hats and uh, sort of a 1950s sort of preppy suit look that the Americans used to wear during the golden era, right? Well, we're already going backwards in time with all the hair growth and the bell bottoms are coming back. Bell bottoms, fucking bell bottoms are coming back. (laughs) This is insane. Oh, Oh, he froze on us. He froze. (laughs) 
Uh-oh. Hey, he's looking stoic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's looking very stoic right oh, now. <laughs> I gotta say, your basement looks uh, very different from what I saw when I was last there, back in uh, in the Kingston area. You've uh, you've done a lot of work, whiskey. Yeah, um, I, I didn't mean to shift gears so harshly, but uh, I had. I, if you don't mind, we can talk about my basement after. But where I was going with the the, the jackets is, is that we we have a, a cultural revolution going on. Okay, no, no, we do, and I, I think I think uh, most of us, if we're if we're with the with the extra twenty pounds, most of us have put on. We're probably all going to go buy leisure suits by the summertime, <laughs> with expanding elastics. That's right, the short <laughs> I don't know about you. I lost 20 pounds. I've been doing great. I lost 40, but that's okay. Um, good for you, man. That's awesome. No, that's awesome. Yeah, that's good so, for you. Well, we're going with the culture thing. Is is that when we talk about the 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 uh, the, the the opposing views associated with the twerking episode of the U.S. the, the U.S. boat that was christened? Oh, the Australian boat. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know. If, okay, just in case the listeners don't understand what's going on. So, the Australian, the Royal Australian Navy, I think they're christening a ship, a new ship, right? Yeah, yeah. The they're christening a new ship, and there's a big ceremony, big hubbaloo that goes along with it. You have, you know, uh, many dignitaries that um, take part in the ceremony. There's the chief of defense staff. There's the minister of defense. You'll have, I don't even know if the prime minister will, but they have a prime minister in Australia. Right. A governor or something was there? Like, governor, you know, yeah, something like that. It's, it's Andy. <laughs> Mr. Prime Minister. Oh, hello. <laughs> anyway so okay so long story long they got this uh they're trying to christen this new ship for their um their national navy and part of the ceremony they got this dance group to come out and this dance group i can't remember the name of the dance group I, i i have it on uh our notes here they were all twerking Basically, that's that's it was just a bunch of very attractive females twerking. Uh, they were in red and white uh, uniforms, and a lot of people took issue with this because it's like disgraceful. It's not professional conduct. Um, yeah, you kind of get the idea. Now, I've seen, I've since seen. Oh, I need to slow down. Okay. Oh, okay. So. I've since seen an article that has come out. Uh, I think it's from the the Guardian. It says ABC. I think ABC was the network that originally published the story, um, kind of exposing the whole thing. And ABC now has had to apologize for the Australian Navy ship twerking video after dancers allege deceptive editing, which is kind of fantastic if you think about it. <laughs> So they, if I may, the name of the the name of the group was they were called the one they're called the one hundred one Doll Squadron Dance Troop. Yes. So and I don't think any amount of editing would have changed the perception that people had. Yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. No, here, like, there's there's nothing wrong with their dancing. Their dancing okay. is very professional. It's all in sync. Like, it looks great. There's nothing wrong with their the, the quality of their <laughs> of their performance. <laughs> it's more so to do with the. This is not the type of. Uh, let's say expose that you put on for a christening of a ship for a national event. Somebody, somebody suggested like as an analogy, they said, this is what happens. You task the major and he gives the job to the second Lieutenant. (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. My, my, my theory is that somebody hates their boss and they're on their way out. And so they, uh, they basically, they, and they knew that their boss was just going to sign off on anything who uh you know sign off on anything who and wouldn't wouldn't read the fine print and then they would just submit this and say yep good to go and then put in their two weeks notice like the next two hours later (laughs) yeah go ahead whiskey what do you got what do you got i i i think that but if you read the other side of it right so i i agree that there is a a uh so were they dressed inappropriately? No, they weren't. Were they? Did they fill their contractual obligations? What they did. So yes, they did it. Where is it? You, you look at it. Were they mixed uh, minorities in a dance troupe? Yes, they were. So they filled all those types of obligations. Who, who cares? <laughs> it, it is. If you if you're trying to if for us for example in Canada if you're trying to do the diversity work on improving diversity of who you're contracting with. This is a, a, an easier way to do that, right? Um, because they market themselves as an uh, an Aboriginal type of dance troupe, okay? To, to for that profile, so that's one. Of, if you look at those characteristics, is the sex and, and the, the 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 other side of this article is the sexualization of what they did um, wasn't by them, okay? It was. It was them look, looking through a government lens on top of and layering what that should have been there, but wasn't. And it, 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 it's very interesting. Like, listen, I, I am like a middle aged white guy. When I think of twerking, I think of really horrible images. So, okay. I'm just I'm just trying to. I'm I'm being entertained watching you try to business case this way your way through this whole thing. <laughs> look, it, look, it's like this, right? Like you go to a wedding, you expect to have a wedding cake, right? Not not Joe Louis, right? Or uh, you know, like, so so when you go to a christening of a ship of a major supply ship for the Royal Australian Navy you expect a certain type of entertainment you don't necessarily expect to get a Joe Louis right so I think that is really what has shocked people it's it's not that the uh, the dancers were bad or unprofessional actually I think they did a really good job but I'm watching the, the video here again just as we go through this and I mean they're very professional and they're all in sync and it's they did a really good job I think it's just that you know when you go to a wedding you expect wedding cake you you don't expect crackers right so exactly I think hey, 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 hey. But listen, the, the modern thing is cupcakes right now. So you're saying if you got a cupcake, we'd be disappointed you didn't get wedding cake? What you're saying is... No, but hold on, hold on, hold on. My, my, oh, my, my, point, my point is is that we impose our cultural expectations on them. and we're But, no, but look at the, this knock-on effects to the, the troop. Like, we're like, okay, well, we're embarrassed. Uh, you know, or in, in a lot of times we empathize for, for the, the, the Australian military... 
you know, because some of us have, you know, sort of government ties and we look through like the middle aged white guy lens. I was like, I wouldn't have picked that. And if I was organizing my wedding, I wouldn't have Joe Louie. But the thing is, is that as you know, as people that work in the professional arena, we, we should probably shift just a little bit going, OK, uh, it wasn't the twerking that was bad. It was the exit the the, the 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 they chose the wrong Joe Louie or they didn't they didn't set the expectations. Hey, guys, this is going to be a bush dance and we're going to we're going to have a big bonfire. And because of the venue, we're going to have, you know, twerking for 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 appetizers like we didn't, they didn't market as such. Like they didn't set the venue properly and manage those expectations. Yeah, but or, 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 the, the, or yeah. Or they got the scheduling wrong, and the the you know the the moonlight serenade was supposed to happen during the opening ceremonies, and the twerking event was supposed to happen for the sailors <laughs> actually on the ship. <laughs> regardless, regardless, but that's the again. That's, so it's management expectations. But I want to knock to to really highlight the, the the potential impact to the troop. Okay, where they're undergoing some. Um, you know, some some very negative publicity. So they they like they didn't cha- have to change a routine because that was their product. Whereas they are getting negative reviews now because someone put them in the wrong time slot. I'll bet money Simon Cowell is signing them right now. <laughs> yes, hundred <laughs> percent. This is fifteen minutes of fame, right? You know, yeah. all all press is good press, and I would suggest that they probably had offers come through the door. <laughs> well, the way that they've gone about it, these yeah. uh, these dancers, this group, the way that they've gone about it, like, okay, yeah, you could feel like you're being shamed and everything like that, and yeah, wrong place, wrong time, who knows? Like, you can make that argument, but the way that they've gone about it in the press, that they've gone on the attack, that is that to me is is what's like that's impressive it's just like we feel unsafe we feel threatened we feel exploited it's like wow okay you're you're going hard on the attack for this this is uh it's interesting how you interesting tactic that you're using here i, I thought that was kind of interesting yeah and and that's and that's the the the, the threat i'm going on is, is that there's there's a there's a bad negative side to it uh and and I think for like the side of women here that there's, as <clears throat> um, we look for proprietary, and I understand uh, Dr. Green's view on, uh, you know, there's no such thing as bad press. But when you look at the psychological effects, like they're just out there trying to do a good job uh, for their country, uh, really, because that's what it comes down to, right? And then just to be... Um, it basically comes down to, to, to almost spat on some places because you, you understand that uh, some of the comments that are being left to them, and then tr- then the, the 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 stuff was edited inappropriately. Like there, there's like it, it it doesn't lean to the the, the quality and work it takes to do it. And I want to add on to go back to our first comment about the 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 Canadian style cultural fashion about the uniforms, how it doesn't conform to the normal stuff. Um, because it didn't conform to the normal stuff, now we're really hard on it. But when do you realize each of the different outfits actually were for different things? Um, they actually aren't that bad. 
like we, we did they just highlight the fact there's a jean jacket but the demon jean jacket was for a very specific specific event they have a nice red jacket that sort of parallels the ralph Lauren, but they mixed them up to, to polarize what was going on so now we're talking about two different cultural things at the same time i feel like to use a naval term where i think that we're rearranging chairs on the titanic right now um <laughs> uh, like okay yeah i no, i get it it makes perfect sense i don't like i i think we're all in agreement nobody blames the dancers and everyone loves jean denim jackets <laughs> no no the, the, there's some interesting cultural evolutions right now and what the, the point is is how you portray culture and how you interpret culture is time and space related sure okay and so name name one cultural evolution because I'm interested in what you have to say about these things. Okay, never before I've seen a christening of a ship that involved twerking. <laughs> and the other one is I've never se- never seen a denim used as an Olympic athlete uh, part of athletic wear. I don't okay. know about that. I wonder about that second one. Actually, I, I was curious to go back and see whether or not that is true. Because, I mean, we had the 1980s, right? And that was like jean jacket Palooza. So, I mean, I am almost absolutely certain that somebody at some point used a jean jacket and friendship bracelets as Olympic wear. I'm, I'm almost convinced. So, yeah, that's by no means. Like, that's going to produce a lot of drag, man. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, hey, hey, Mohawks are back. You know, it's all good. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Good. Oh man. Okay. So fashion week done. Fashion week. (laughs) Okay. We caught that. Speaking of entertainment, (laughs) how about how about our own government? Liberal MP caught naked on camera. Well, that was that was interesting. <laughs> I, you know, I actually, I felt bad, right? Because, I mean, you know, we all know that we live in this sort of COVID environment, so the cameras are on. And and I think that the person that took that picture, I mean, you know, they could have they could have made it known amongst themselves. But that, you know, to sort of share that out into the public, because I don't think that was a public uh, meeting that they were having. I think it got tweeted out is what happened. And so I thought, you know, at first I thought, oh, wow, look at that. You know, typical people that go to their meetings wearing only half of their <laughs> We've all, yeah. we have no idea what that's about. But, uh, but I just, I actually felt sorry for the guy because I thought, you know, it was probably just an honest mistake. And, and I was a bit surprised that they would have just put that in the public. It was a bit of a cheap shot, I thought. So he's a liberal MP from Quebec. I, I heard that that's correct, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that explains everything <laughs> well, I need to know. <laughs> Um, no, like it sounds like it was an honest mistake and somebody exploited it. Like some people suck. That's basically what it comes down to, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I felt bad. <sighs> I thought we were going a different direction, but now we're going to par- parliamentarian workwear. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, man. They're going to issue onesies next week, so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Big adult onesie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of COVID, you brought that up too there, Dr. Green. Like, okay, so we got the new Ontario lockdown that's going on, and uh, Mr. Ford has put out a new announcement today. I didn't get to hear it, actually. Do you guys, did you guys actually hear it? 
I only uh, picked through some of the details. So they're going to extend the, the period of the lockdown and it's going to become more restrictive. Mainly businesses will be affected, of course. And some of the you know aspects like people are asking questions like, you know, why are we staying at home if our kids can go to school? Or, you know, why are the daycares open, but the schools might be closed? Like, you know, that kind of inconsistencies. And then, of course, yeah. there's a question about the number of cases. We're, we're hitting like five, almost 5,000 cases a day. And I was watching today earlier some doctors on the news basically saying, like, like they're running out of supplies, they're running out of beds, and, uh, you know, they're going to have to start making decisions about who gets help and who doesn't. That's pretty yeah. curious. Well, I my, heard my, that my, they my had wife, to... My wife is telling me there's so, uh, they're, they're reshuffling. Uh, all the outpatient stuff was canceled. Uh, they're reshuffling people, uh, redistributing people around the hospitals. Yeah. Sunnybrook, Toronto, Sunnybrook is in, has up the, their emergency hospital... So the situation is bad. I would say if, if, uh, if I had my vote, just stay home. In my hometown in Oshawa, they have to redistribute a lot of patients from Lake Ridge Health Oshawa over to Bowenville, to Kinks, as far as Kingston, uh, to get ready for the incoming influx of idiots from Toronto who are, you know, yeah, that's basically it. Who, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so. I think a lot are frustrated because you know for a first world nation like our vaccination acquisition and distribution has been pretty abysmal uh i saw one chart where it listed us as 43rd in the world in terms of vaccinate vaccination you know receipt and distribution you know after countries like somalia madagascar uh luxembourg you know places where you would think wow like you know and it's it's amazing you know and of course you know i was listening to the government announcement today they were they were floating about the fact that they're going to get another like 800,000 vaccines come in to, so they'd have like 2.2 million vaccinations uh, doses available. But I mean, that's like half of Toronto. Right? Yeah. So basically you're telling me that you can vaccinate one half of one city in your country, which yeah. just, yeah, well, like, well, there, there's a, I think there's a balance that needs to be struck here. And I think it needs to be said. So, so Canadians, uh, we hate paying for things we don't need. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so if, if I can get it cheaper somewhere else, why I don't get it cheaper somewhere else? And uh, Mr. 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 Oshawa is totally agreement with me. So, OK, uh, we used to have vaccine, uh, you know, vaccine pr- production capability, and then we just got rid of it. OK, why? Here's the interesting thing, actually. So the the plant, the uh, the factories that were making vaccinations in Canada when we had the business here, um, they're still here, actually. So they're still in business. But what happened is, is that they no longer do business with the Canadian government. So they are actually still producing vaccines, but they are creating them for other clients and other customers. And we are not one of them. So, you know, so we have the capability inside Canada to produce vaccinations, but we just actually have no business with the, with the corporation that runs the, uh, the facilities that now make those vaccines. So uh, what I find interesting, actually, you know, I mean, politics aside, you know, blaming whichever political party, I mean, who cares? But what I find interesting is that you think in a, in a period of national emergency, which we're clearly in, um, I find it interesting that the government hasn't just tried to requisition the, uh, the facility and say, listen, you're going to produce vaccinations for Canada because we have to, like we're, it's an emergency. We need you to do this now. I mean, you know, in times of emergency, countries and governments will requisition ships and planes and, you know, all sorts of things that they need in order to achieve the ends that they, they have. And I, I find it interesting that we have facilities in Canada that can produce vaccinations and we haven't nationalized them or we haven't, you know, declared some emergency to take advantage of it and actually get them to start producing vaccinations for us here. 
as opposed to just producing them for export. I think I think it's the downstream concern and intellectual property. Like the the labs, we we have labs that can produce them, but it was the IP yes. to produce them, like the methodology to, in order to get it. And then once you once you do the requisition and and start controlling these things, they were worried about price. So what the government you can tell what they were doing is Canada has more access to more vaccine than approval anyone else in the world. We bought at least four doses for every single person. Yeah. Why? Because they didn't know who to who was going to win, and as we as we know, we start seeing between like the blood clots and AstraZeneca, um, and uh, the other vaccine. Johnson Johnson, I think, has a vaccine on a uh, blood clot issue that they're worried about, and they're still they're investigating. So it, it's a, it's about hedging your bets, and and people need to understand is that the only decision you can affect is the future one. You, you, and, and and like the the past is the past, and at the time when like when you're doing a contract, like I'm developing this product, like how do we, how do how do we get there? Um, so then you had then the government also would have to buy the intellectual property to produce at a facility, and I think this parallels N95 masks in in many respects, like the filter paper and the technologies to produce proper masks. Um, wasn't done in Canada anymore. Why? Because it was no longer profitable. People weren't buying enough masks. Even though the paper was 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 coming from out of BC, it was all done overseas. And I probably it's probably a good segue to, to transition to another dimension of the topic is domestic production of critical infrastructure or critical uh, products. I saw a funny meme. It says, "Which one of the Johnsons do we think fucked up?" <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. I love that. <laughs> I just had to <laughs> I had to break the intellect for a second. <laughs> uh, can, we, we, can we vote for one? Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah. It's very difficult to figure out what the actual fuck is actually going on. You know, it's it's interesting. I you know I think about like you know you it, you listen to how people talk about vaccination distribution a little bit and some of the things you know like you know, we can give we can give people epipens for allergies, right? So why do I actually need to go somewhere and get vaccinated? Like why can't you know they can stick all sorts of junk mail in my mailbox? I got a, I got a postcard from Canada Post saying send this to a friend that you miss. You know, mail this free postcard out. Like, why can't they just send me an EpiPen with a vaccination in it, and I can jam myself in the leg and be done, right? I, I find whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa! We we can't even push out checks properly. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I agree with whiskey. When somebody can steal your Serb check, <laughs> somebody will take like five vaccines out of five neighbors, and they will take them like a like a full fucking fist and they will jab them into their leg. <laughs> yeah. right. We forgot to mail the uh, little the little pictogram with it so if people are sticking it in their head as a yes. Yeah. Well, the vaccine only, the vaccine needs parents, to be they're stealing their under a certain vaccine. temperature too, right? Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. But you know, this is the thing like Not all, can, they're all different. Right. Yeah. I can stick a cooling system around anything at any scale now. I mean, that, that's not you know, designing a, an EpiPen that could keep the vaccine going and all that isn't the issue. It's just, it's interesting. Like, there are ways we could distribute this vaccine more efficiently probably than we are. I could create a drive-through on an airport runway and I could vaccinate, you know, hundreds or thousands of people in a day if I just had an efficient system set up. 
we all kind of know that if you need to get a lot of things to a lot of people quickly, there are ways to do it. So I just I find it interesting that we are kind of like in this weird kind of stuck sort of environment where you can get a vaccine, but not everybody can get it. We can't really do a lot of people at once. And, you know, it's going to it's just going to take a long time to get everybody vaccinated. Well, there's like, well, it's even more complicated than that. It's not just deliver because we're also used to these just in time inventory systems, right? Oh, so, yeah. so you you have to pay in the production cycle. Uh, then there's contractual obligations. There's factory and, yeah, and like the major trip ups were, were delays in it. There are COVID outbreaks in the factories that were developing and production falls and equipment failures. And then so. I can't give you all that you order, but I can give you 80%. I'm going to do 80% all around. And like, how do you make these decisions to try and satisfy these people that are, are like breaking down your door? Interestingly, I have not missed a single Amazon order since COVID started. Every Amazon order I have placed has showed up with my Prime account when it's supposed to show up on time. And so. yet people are calling for the guillotine for fucking Jeff Bezos. I know. Like, what is up with that? Like, he that. is providing yeah, a but... service. <laughs> His workers are peeing in bottles. Yeah, I heard about that. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, but he's also said, too, like, if you if you need to take uh, a break for any reason, you're allowed to without any penalty. So it not, may not necessarily be a paid break, but if for any reason you need to take a break from work, they allow you to take your leave. You don't lose your job. You basically just you just basically bow out. You take a knee, and there's no. So then, what is this? What is this whole piss bottle thing coming about? Like, is it just people just trying, trying to find any angle to create unionization within Amazon? You know, it's also to people's personal, like, so my, our mail carrier in our neighborhood, he's got like a little bit of OCD. He's got to get everybody's mail done every day. Yeah. Whether it's a little or a lot, he will not quit until everybody's mail gets. Hey man, good for him. You got to have goals. We give him, we give him a huge gift at Christmas because he is out there sometimes like way past his normal hours, but it's because yeah. his own OCD kicks in. He just has to deliver the mail. That's what he does. So I suspect some Amazon employees that are the same way. You know, they're peeing in bottles because they just they just want to get everything out of the order felt. So maybe, maybe. And I think it's because because uh, uh, Dr. Green's uh, is such a preferential customer. He just got to get the last little last little drip done. <laughs> <laughs> you know look after your look after your delivery. People and look after <laughs> yeah, definitely. So if you have a ditch in your front yard and there's a yellow, a bottle, a water bottle filled with a bit of yellow liquid, it hasn't gone bad. <laughs> That's right. Don't fuck with people who handle your money. Don't That's fuck right. with people who handle your mail. Or cut treat them well. <laughs> we know there's no hand wash stations either in a yeah. trunk. <laughs> um, hey, uh, what are we all drinking, by the way? Sorry to kind of interrupt there. I, I noticed you got something going on there, Dr. Green. What do you got? Yeah, so in honor of whiskey and rocks, I uh, just have a little bit of whiskey with some soda. That's nice. Uh, and some rocks. <laughs> Ooh, very nice. What kind of whiskey you got? This is today, it is actually Canadian Club. So just in honor of the sort of nutrition. But uh, sometimes uh, there's a few others that will come through here. But uh, today I'm just going sort of pretty basic. That's pretty good. No, nothing wrong with Canadian Club. They got some good stuff going out. What do you? What about you, whiskey? <laughs> uh oh. Uh-oh. Oh, is he muted? I missed him. What did he say? He's muted. I'm, I'm muted. muted. Today I have the the the, the rum. 
This one here is particularly interesting. It was made with... Um, yeah. Are you Here drinking it out of a red solo cup? What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> hey, oh, it's cognac. <laughs> hi, cognac. Say hi, cognac. We're talking about a drink. Hello. Hopefully, my microphone's working just fine. I managed to break my uh, headset. A new one's coming via Amazon due to uh, renewed shutdowns of literally everything. It's here. funny. We were just talking about the Mr. Bezos, and uh, yeah, you uh, you came in just at the right time. Perfect. It's the only one that'll ship to my address for free. So, <laughs> sorry, small businesses, step your well, game it's up. Well, it's, it's not for free. You're still paying for a service. Yeah, but I get TV with it, so it's kind of free. Yeah, it feels. Seems free. like it's free. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Can I can I go down a rabbit hole for a second? I got a free TV from Amazon. You got a free TV from Amazon. How does that free, happen? Free 55 inch television. How the fuck did you get that? Are you a, are you a porch pirate? Are you a porch pirate? No, they missed their delivery date, and so they tried to tra- they they shipped the package off to UPS Purelater, who lost the package, and so they declared it lost, <laughs> and they shipped me another one at no cost, and then Purelater I guess found their package and they left it on my porch, <laughs> so I ended up with two TVs for the price of one. So that's I, what so you the, ordered. You ordered a television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I always order electronics through Amazon because there's always the possibility you might get a free one. Did you Damn. return one? Did you return no. one of them? So interestingly, I actually tried to do the right thing. I tried to return it, and when I went into my Amazon account to try to do the return on it, those buttons were gone because once they declare the package lost, they archive the order, in which case then there's no return option and there's no cost associated with it. It's basically written out. <laughs> so, I had crazy. the exact same Go ahead, thing. Kanye. I ordered a, I ordered a 49 inch uh, curved screen from my racing simulator uh, yeah. just before Christmas um, that was supposed to be delivered by January 13th and nothing, nothing, nothing. So by February 13th, I called and I was like, what's going on with this? And the, the, in my Amazon app, it had changed to like, your order is on the way. We're not sure where it is, but whatever. Um, so I called and they said, listen, it's lost. Uh, we'll ship you a new one. And so I got that one about a week later and they re they refunded my money as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then the other one just showed up last week, but I, I did call them. I was like, Hey, I, I like, I, I've got this thing. They're like, well, it's, it's yours. So. You know why? Because it would cost them more to actually get it back than yeah. it would just write it off. And that was yeah, because the they'd have to pay the shipping for it to go back, and then exactly. that's right. Yeah, exactly. good for you for being an honest consumer, though. Yeah, because oh. like he says, there's no there's no option in your app or on the website to to return it because it's kind of a it's a mystery thing. I also don't understand how in 2021 now you can lose track of something that's you know a two thousand dollar forty nine inch curved screen, and also. That. Amazon, like I get, you're a global business, and you're and you're you're um, you're you're probably well smarter than I am. But tips for for Amazon uh, around Christmas time: don't choose Canada Post as your shipper. That's just never gonna go well. Oh yeah, Doctor Green says the deliveries will be done by in a day. <laughs> <laughs> but he's counting on he. That's the difference between Doctor Green and Cognac. Is Doctor Green is counting on them to fuck up. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I mean it's it's been painter for us, so it's like. Yeah, I've got this. Right. I've got this, you know, fourteen hundred dollar thing now that's just sitting in a box until I. Well, I guess I'll put it on. Uh, let's. Who else do we make rich off Amazon's mistakes? So Bezos, put it on hey, Facebook Marketplace, hey. I guess. You know, Actually, is it a curved one? I'll I'll buy it off you. 
Yeah, because anything's better than my. Let, let's, let, I'll show you the picture of my my abysmal gym TV. Where is oh it? Do you have a gym TV? Well, uh, yeah, look how small it looks in relation to my exercise ball. Does that look sad? Is that, that if you're watching sad. TV in the gym, you're not doing it right. Just saying. I, wait, well, the treadmill's supposed to be working. Away. The treadmill's away. So, anyways, that's a very sad TV. <laughs> it needs help. It was, it was and then my 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 night my 24 inch isn't doing it anymore. <laughs> oh, I'm bragging again. Hey, uh, I've got a question there, whiskey. What was the evergreen blockage? I I actually didn't know what that was. The you Suez well, boat. The well, Suez well, boat. Well, no, no. So the the blockage is it has parallels. Okay. One, if you don't have enough fiber, or two, your ship is too big and you hit you bank the sides. So what happened in the Suez Canal? Um, oh, the so giant oh, container the, ship. Oh, okay, I got it now. That's the ship blocking in the Suez. Imagine, imagine being the guy that gets to go through, like the first boat that goes through after they cleared the Evergreen uh, blockage, and knowing that you have the potential to do the funniest thing in all of history, and just steer it right into the bank, lock it up again for another week. Well, well, the 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 fines are was it nine hundred million dollars, uh, which is an odd one because Suez, much like the Saint Lawrence here in Quebec, when you go through the Suez Canal, the captain of the boat has to allow somebody from the Suez Canal Company, just like here in Saint Lawrence, that guides the boat down the the restricted waterway. Yep. So I don't understand why the company is being told to pay these fines. They you know, the Suez Canal Company put the dude that pilots the boat through the canal on. He's the one that crashed it. Yeah, just at a point where it's the ever given. It's not the evergreen, just by the way. <laughs> Which is why I didn't know what it was. The ship was called the ever given. I thought it was the ever given. man after my own heart. I like that. Uh, like I'm going to nerd out. I'm going to nerd out on you here for a second. It's called, it was the ever given. That's why I was like, what's the evergreen blockage? I'm like, what are you eating over there? <laughs> We're eating trees. Uh, <laughs> we're health nuts. <laughs> but yeah, on that, I don't understand how the company can be held liable if the pilot was provided by the Suez Canal Company to get the boat through safely. I don't. I, that's that's not making any sense to me. You know, if if the guy had just gone rogue and sailed his way down the Suez Canal, sure, fine. But I, you know. This is this is a spot of land that the Brits and French did some real sketchy stuff to to in the sixties to kind of make usable by everybody. I highly doubt any boat just gets to bimble its way through the Suez Canal on its own. All I see are memes. That's it. That's all I saw about the whole thing. I just saw the memes, and it's just like it's everywhere. What was crazy? It's, it's unblocked actually- now, right? Yeah, it's unblocked. They got it free like three or four days ago. But what what was really cool is you could go on because you can have access to uh, shipping forecast maps and it'll it'll show where boats are um, and you could see just the massive pile of them trying to get into the Mediterranean. And then two or three days later saying, screw it, this is taking too long. We're going to go the long way around That's right. and go in the old, the old uh, South Africa route. But um you know these these ships. The the concern was these ships put out to sea for a certain amount of days, and weight and everything is is critical on ships. They're not carrying too many extra supplies. If you were some rich dude in Italy with a helicopter, I'd be flying out to the boats with pallets of water, being like fifty bucks a liter. You want it or not? You know <laughs> you're wow. gonna need this. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> the thing is, it wasn't on. Let me refer to the golden age of piracy if you choose not to take this fresh water aboard. 
well, if you're <laughs> you'll probably sink anyway. So, <laughs> so, so there's a nice military history uh, nexus. I think was uh, was the seven was the war between Egypt and uh, Israel. There, yeah. there was a number of them, but there was the Six Day War, the Yom Kippur War. You're talking about Nasser nationalizing the canal prior to the Six Day War, yeah. and the Brits and French being real sketchy, and the and Americans actually six, being the good guys in that story. And they were stuck. They were stuck for what six years. Yeah. There was, I think there was five ships. One of them was Norwegian for sure. That were, yeah, they were just kind of stuck there for six years when it got mined off. And they'd left the, most of the crew after four years, most of the crew were allowed to leave. But there was, you know, a skeleton crew left on each ship for a further two years where they just sat and waited for the mines and blockages to be cleared to be able to get through. It was, it's a super weird bit of history where it's just like you signed up to, to go to sea for, you know, six weeks and six years later, you're sitting in this like, little reservoir salt lake thing waiting for like, the ship and walk away like they did in montreal where they left that burnt out ship in the port <laughs> it sat there for like whatever <laughs> whatever we got the insurance what? payout your fucking yeah. problem <laughs> what I, wow. I think what is it what is interesting is the the, the human condition and, and the, just that need to survive um beyond the twerking and and the jean jackets um <laughs> <laughs> like uh, apparently, like they they like one. They, I don't know what you ship need to survive. Of, but that's what I hold need. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So like one one ship was assigned to like the mess duties, and they had some sort of special. Each of the ships sort of specialized in something in order just to make it, you know, go to the canteen on ship X just for something to do. Well, even the I had, I'm sorry, I had to people. mute myself. That was so fucking <laughs> funny. <laughs> That was brilliant. I love that. That was brilliant. And you weren't even there for that part of the conversation. And you just like, you, you hit it. Oh, fuck. And we just set you up. You just went with it. It was great. That's oh, what fuck. I do here. Irreverent nonsense. Twerking <laughs> and jean jackets. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to dilute your point there, Whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> oh true. fuck i missed you guys this is good this all right i'm gonna do the crazy. weird thing and try and get it back on topic and serious oh. he's right though it was it was it was quite like a like you know there was no official like anybody in charge of these people but they figured out a way to kind of make sure they didn't have to eat beans and toast for six years or whatever it was you know i think it was the norwegians were put in, in charge of food which was you know that's a bold move but um yeah, they, they kind of all had their various responses. I think one ship had uh, exercise equipment, so or were shipping exercise equipment or something. So, yeah, it was kind of cool that way. Yep, it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, where uh, were we? <laughs> where were we? Where were we? Indeed. Oh, so- I'm looking at the list. So why Formula One? Like, what's that? <laughs> oh, this is this has been a, this has been this has been a cognac and rocks experiment for the last little while. Fill me in. What's going on there? Okay, um, we don't really need to fill you. Uh, you you've got Netflix, right, Doctor Green? Yeah, and I, and I and I I grew up in the place where you know I could hear the race cars going in the summer and the weekend, and I know cognac knows what I'm what I'm talking about. Like you nice. can hear. Yeah, I, I'm I'm well familiar with it. But, okay, yeah. so you got to go and watch Formula One: Drive to Survive. First drive, of all, drive. go okay. and go and watch that documentary. It is one of the best docu series I have ever seen in my life. Okay, Cognac, you take it from there. Is it no Ricky Bobby right? Or it's actually like good? No, it's actually good. 
Yeah. No, no. So am I? Yeah, I'm not muted. Okay. Um, so my question for you, if you ask what's up with Formula One, is how nerdy do you want to get? Because we can go into generally what's going on right now, right down to FIA regulations for this year, punishing low rake versus high rake cars and what the yeah, difference so here, that is. I used to bartend in downtown Montreal where the Grand Prix guys used to come in after race days. I heard it all. <laughs> I used to hear oh, all. that's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah, so yeah. So go ahead. Nerd out so. What's interesting with Formula One this year, and I mean, it's only one race, one race deep in Bahrain uh, three weeks ago. It's Imola this weekend. They've just done free practice. Uh, qualifiers are tomorrow. Uh, they're trying a new qualifying format instead of the classic um, uh, three-round shootout where the top 15, top uh, 10 fastest laps yeah. go on, and then they, they qualify on that, and there's restrictions on the tires. They're actually trialing a, um, a Saturday sprint race. So a shorter race that will determine the starting grid for the actual race the following day um, in a kind of bid to be more engaging to spectators. I personally like the qualifying format as it is, but it's because I've been watching it for 30 years and I understand what's going on. Um, other than like people that don't just see a bunch of cars whipping around real fast and they don't know what's going on um, and, you know, separated by thousands of seconds. Yeah. The other interesting thing is uh, it looks clear. So. Sir Lewis, Sir Lewis Hamilton now is the seven-time world champion and going to – he's tied Michael Schumacher's record. He's bidding for eight-time world champion uh, this year. Uh, Mercedes has won six constructors' championships in a row, which is uh, insane. They only came back to the sport in 2010 uh, with their own name team. But the V6 turbo hybrid era that we're living in right now, Mercedes knocked out of the park and, they, and they've just been running with it. Um, but this year, it looks like uh, Max Verstappen and Red Bull can actually challenge uh, Mercedes. They had better pace over Bahrain. Um, Lewis is just a much more experienced driver, so he was able to kind of catch Max out on a couple errors. But um, it looks like we're going to have an actual solid fight for the title, which hasn't really happened since the end of Red Bull dominance in 2004. Oh, sorry, in 2010. Yeah, so that's the kind of interesting thing that's going on right now. It's just starting up. Um, not too many changes were made to the cars this year. There's also a salary, uh, sorry, an expenditure cap uh, this year for the first time. Next year, the cars are getting a major redesign uh, to the point, uh, you know, Formula One tires are on 14-inch hubs with the big fat tires, which allow a lot of um, a lot of the work the suspension would have to be doing to be done by the tires themselves and the various tire pressures. Next year, they're going to 18-inch hubs with low-profile tires. Partly as a marketing thing for Pirelli because Pirelli makes all these tires and sponsors Formula One, but they can't sell any of their own tires because nobody looks at a Pirelli tire and sees anything similar to the Formula One tire. So they're going to make them look a little bit more like their their normal tires, stuff like that. Big changes for next year. They're trying to reduce the vortice the vortex effect on the on the bodywork so that you don't have as much dirty air following behind a car. So you can actually corner with some downforce, which you currently can't do when you're within about three car lengths. It's it's, it's all Part of Formula One that I love is the speed and the driver's skill. The other part is the engineering and the, and the massive amounts of, of you know human thought and, and effort that go into it. There. I don't Formula know there, Buds. I think you went pretty deep in the weeds there, Buds. No, Let's no, get drunk. I, I love Pirelli because they also make shoes. I have Pirelli shoes that, that I bought. In the <laughs> and they're actually made with the same rubber that they make the tires with. That was really awesome. Um, the other thing, too, is that it just goes to show that, you know, a lot of sports have gotten to the point where it has become down to the thousands of the second. And if they don't start to reset 
the, some of the parameters or sort of create some limitations, then the the competitiveness is gone, right? Like you know, I think about like like take downhill skiing in Winter Olympics, right? So you kind of got to go, you know, who cares? Like if okay, you're one one thousandth of a second, two thousand. I'm like stick a bear on the trail, like you know, or put some obstacles in the way, like have somebody like you know. I've said for years, just have one normal dude, you know, yeah. one dude that skis yeah. on Sundays. Go down with them and put it all in perspective. <laughs> Just try to survive. <laughs> race where the guy hit the back of the uh, of the racetrack dryer. It blew up and everything went shit. And the guy that was like in 13th place just like threaded the needle and he won the Daytona 500. It was like his second race. He had never, he wasn't really been a serious racer. And there he was like drinking champagne out of the cup, right? And that's the yeah. thing. They, they 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 stopped in making it hard and now everyone's like trying to slice the onion for one little shed of like okay you're gonna get one one thousandth of a second winner and that's terrible i would put more obstacles into these races and i would put a lot more competition into it make it much harder yeah but these but guys are going at like what 300 kilometers an hour 317 with their drs right? open but drs is a patchwork drs was a patchwork solution to because of the dirty air problem behind the cars it was there was basically no overtaking going on because the regulations um, promoted as much downforce as you can without sacrificing your frontline speed, which just mm-hmm. meant if you were behind another car, firstly your engine's sucking in hot air and your your downforce your aerodynamics aren't working as well as the guy in the lead. Um, Mercedes famously, uh, if they end up not one two on the grid, if they end up behind somebody, famously they have they struggle the entire race because their oh. car was never designed to not be in the lead. Oh okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, because they spent all their time in the lead. Why would they do anything differently? Um, so part of the part of the arrow changes for next year are going to reduce the vortices and stuff like that. Have them more dispersed oh, so that you're not okay. just driving through turbulence all the time. Okay. So in in layman's terms, because I'm new, I'm very new to this whole kind of this whole sport, uh, Doctor Green, and uh, like the the way I would go about it, yeah, definitely go and watch the Netflix docu series uh, Formula One Drive to Survive. They go into like how the teams uh, kind of organize the whole sport. Um, they also like go and follow some of the drivers and it's like, is, is this driver going to make it with this team? Or are they going to get cut or are they going to, you know, or are they going to, what about this driver who's uh, decided to change their mind and go to another team? Like there's a lot of drama involved. So they made it like a, like a very, very entertaining kind of, yeah, yeah. They've, they've romanticized it and it is very, very interesting that way. It's funny because, you know, the first time I watched racing, I was real noob, right? And I thought, well, this is really ridiculous. Like, who wastes five hours watching cars go around in circles? But then you realize how much strategy is involved and how much engineering is involved and how how precise it is. And then you, you get a whole new appreciation for race car driving that I think a lot of people and – I, and I learned that because, like I said, I was, like, when I bartended – guys would talk about racing i thought well this is stupid you guys just go around in circles and chicks thinks you're hot you know it's really down to dumb but then you realize no there's a lot behind it and yeah into the primarily the chicks think you're hot that's you need to you need to talk more about this whole bartending for formula one drivers this is interesting that's how i pay for school odds this is how i got through it (laughs) (laughs) i saw hockey players uh grand prix guys yeah you name it like it's yeah okay top story Top story about uh, about race race cars and bartending. Go. Race cars and bartending. God. Oh, jeez. Uh, I don't think I can say that. I guess 
I mean, you know, it was a long time ago now. So, but I think about like, so Grand Prix weekend used to draw in a lot of international clients and customers. And uh, if you, there's a core in downtown in one of the major cities where this race takes place. I won't say the city, um, but there's a lot of bars in a very tight proximity in a very sort of three or four block area. And if you bartend in one of these bars, um, it's quite the experience to uh, to be able to uh, you know be part of that whole process for for the weekend when the racers come into town, the clients come into town, uh, the fans the fans come into town. Um, I, it was the first time I ever saw a credit card that didn't have a number. You just sort of you just sort of stuck it in the machine and it had no limit. <laughs> you just you know it's the uh, you could make a year's worth of salary in a weekend if you had the right uh, customers come through your door. Wow! Just need, just need a few Russian oligarchs and. Uh... <laughs> I um I paid for one year of university tuition and one weekend based on the customers that I was serving. Wow. Yeah. Now, mind you, it wasn't that expensive to go to university in the 1990s, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was quite something. That's so pretty crazy. And if you want to talk, like if you want to talk uh, ball bearings or engineering or weights or ratios or speed, you know, if you had even like the, the smallest amount of knowledge about physics and how things worked, uh, they got excited. And and that's the thing, like, you know, people probably think, oh, yeah, you know, risk, they think Ricky Bobby, you know, when they do race car drivers. But these guys are smart. They are smart people and they really understand machines. They love to tinker and they love to talk about, you know, the engineering behind it. And it was uh yeah, it was fun. You know, was every, really- every component, a Formula One car, a modern day Formula One car is made up of approximately 1,200 components. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, a Formula One team, uh, Mercedes Petronas Formula One team employs 1,500 people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, you know, there's a person for each one of those components. That's what they do. Yeah, absolutely. Like it seems like, so as whiskey and rocks know, like I'm a, I'm a space fanatic, and so when I talk about spacecraft, right? And spacecraft have got thousands of parts in them, and the engineering that goes into every little piece of it to make that yep. thing work. I, I get really excited about that. So when I, when I was sort of, sort of, you know, interacting with these guys that were dealing with race cars, it was the same kind of you know, discussion and the same kind of passion that went into it because you tinker with every little piece and you, you think, Oh, who cares about tire pressure? Well, well, you know, that's, that's minutes on a racetrack or that's seconds on a racetrack. And that makes a difference between, you know, coming in first and coming in 40th. Right. Yeah. it was fascinating. No, I McLaren, really- McLaren was the big story at, at uh, testing this year because they had a, a unique rear diffuser design. And when I say unique, if I put all all 10 cars and all 10 companies diffusers on the grid and, and showed them to, to whiskey or rocks or, or probably even yourself, you wouldn't you wouldn't see it. Um, no, it, definitely. We're talking, wouldn't. we're talking, you know, fractions of millimeters of angle difference and stuff. Whiskey's got a well, well, well. I was, was going to maybe interject there. So, so like, uh, I, listen, the engineering is kind of cool. So when we go back to like the the, the Olympic outfits, there are certain outfits that were banned, <laughs> and <laughs> the, the ones I wear in Mexico, no, I'm familiar. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Keep, keep your Wendy, onesies out of it. But anyway. <laughs> By going back, so anyways, um, so there's there was a uh, they invented a, a Canadian uh, outfit for the 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 skiing guys, and I'm really loaded right now, so just slow down a little bit. <laughs> anyways, the the profile and, and the coefficient of resistance associated with the skiing outfit meant if the skier fell, they would start accelerating down the ski hill. So they had to say, "That's what I need." We need a ski outfit, so if they fall, they slow down. 
<laughs> just Superman down the track. The snow fence will catch you at the end. It'll be fine. <laughs> I, I do. I do admire. I gotta say, I do admire Whiskey's attempt from preventing our podcast from becoming a formula one commentary podcast i gotta give them that like well, to be fair i mean we've talked about it probably the last times because okay. you're you, you've just gotten into it so we should probably steer away from it okay we probably Let's should marvel that's it because like the next thing on the list was marvel street let's yeah. go to marvel <laughs> marvel what well wow. you were talking about wow. superman wow. Wow. wait 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 well the skiing outfits are tight tune you are currently hearing is the fifth movement from the first iteration of the Carmen Suite by French composer Georges Bizet. Uh, You can often find this piece being played at the conclusion of every Formula One race. Once the top three drivers are all on that podium spraying each other with champagne, you you get the picture. Thought it appropriate given how we talked at length about Formula One. Don't worry, we will endeavor to prevent this podcast from turning into a Formula One commentary podcast, although... That is one of the few good things that is kind of still happening right now, given this pandemic. Anyway, as fascinating as that would be to talk about. Which is why part two will start off in a completely different direction, which you kind of got the hint at at the end of this part one. If you like what you heard, throw us a like. If there's something we missed, throw us a comment so that we can improve and churn out quality content just for you. You can also subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your regular dose of whiskey and rocks, whether it's Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. I don't even know if Google Play is a thing anymore. I thought it was getting phased out. Or wherever you get your podcasts. You can help us out even more if you spread the word and share us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We are at Whiskey and Rocks 1. The link is in the description. Thanks again for listening and stay tuned for part two of this episode, The Triumphs of Human Spirit. Thank you.